Thanks for joining us for Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are a fellowship committed to knowing community as God's family and sharing the food from our table with others. Every member of Christ's family should be well-nourished from God's Word, and in that Word we find all we need to live good and God-honoring lives. To contact us, please call us at 208-331-4096. And now here for a brief introduction is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. The great chapter on faith in the Bible, Hebrews 11, ends with a rolling declaration of great attainments of faith. Kingdoms are subdued. Individuals are delivered from the mouths of lions and from burning fires. Others become valiant in battle. These events and more come by way of faith. And you might want to get up after reading this and say, there's nothing between me and a life of immediate temporal conquest than faith. But read on. The chapter is not done. Great victories by faith, yes, but not always, not even often. Still others by faith will go down in death, lonely, isolated death. What do we say for those whose faith doesn't seem to be delivering them and bringing them into victory? Here is your answer. The author reminds us of all these in history of people of faith, these others who don't have the tale to tell. Here's where it reads. Go on. Go back to 35, 35b now, chapter 11. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. If they escaped those things, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world is not worthy. Great statement. The world destroyed them because they thought they weren't worthy of the world, but it was the other way around. The world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Now, I've got an assignment for you. You can go back and Google it. You can go back and look on your computer somewhere for this. But go back to and read 2 Maccabees 6. 2 Maccabees 6 is an apocryphal account of the history of the Jews between the end of the Old Testament period and the beginning of the New Testament period. And there it records the suffering of the Jewish people under the rule of the Greek Empire. And you'll read, if you read that one chapter, you'll see almost everything that's being referenced here in this brief passage being experienced by certain individuals or by groups of people of the Jews during that time. Write it down, 2 Maccabees chapter 6, and read it. The Jews understood that that was their history. This is their accounts. I don't know about you, I like to read novels. I like to read novels with happy endings, with positive outcomes. I don't like to read a novel that ends in a whimper or an implosion of unfulfilled hopes and expectations. And yet the history of the Bible and the Jews includes a number of peoples whose lives finished out in loneliness, poverty, persecution, desertion, betrayal, and scorn. Read the book of Jeremiah. Read it. It's a sad book. And the ending is sad. Nobody listens to Jeremiah Nobody ever listens to Jeremiah. To the very end, nobody listens to Jeremiah. The Jews understood what happened to Jeremiah. 
When they finally, failing to listen to him, got tired of him, they stoned him to death. And he died. That's his story. These people went into these events not as a punishment for cursing God, but they went into these events because they believed in God and were determined to glorify Him. And they went all the way into the silence of the grave, suffering as they went, trusting Him for future benefit. All the suffering they endured and went through, in the end, they died. And no great story is left to report from them of what happened after that. It's interesting as I've been preaching through the book of Hebrews, I have, when I've come to speak about the author of the book of Hebrews, I've referred to him as the author of the book of Hebrews. His name is not mentioned, but I check myself almost every single time because I want to say Paul. And actually, so do a lot of other commentators. They want to say Paul. And if it was Paul, and I think likely that it was, who wrote the book of Hebrews, Paul says that he became a follower of Jesus Christ after he had persecuted the Christians, after he had forced them to recant of their faith and blaspheme, and if they wouldn't recant of their faith, if they refused, he was one who voted for their and consented to their death, putting many to death. And he saw many of the faithful to Christ go down to death with no answer and no deliverance for their faith. Then if you go on to read the life of Paul, you'll see that Paul will record many times in which he endures all kinds of suffering and persecution, but he comes out the other side. God somehow delivers him. God grants him victory. And that's the story of the life of Paul until the last story, when he was beheaded by Nero. And at that point in time, we don't even know really when it took place. After Paul's last letter, we don't know because Paul goes silent. His words and his communication go silent in the grave. I oftentimes think of the abundance of Christian salesmen out there who promise an empowered life of success and blessing if you'll only follow Jesus. And I think they didn't really follow the life of Paul very carefully. You study the life of Paul, the last verses of Paul summarizing his ministry, he says that Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. At my first offense, nobody stood with me. Everybody departed from me. That's where it sums up at. Sometime after that, he's beheaded. That's his life. That's the story he tells. These individuals don't seem to be paying close attention to Christians in other parts of the world either, who are suffering tremendously for their faith. And many have been silenced by death for that faith. The author of Hebrews doesn't ignore this problem. He doesn't ignore this in his lesson on faith. Here's the question that's being asked. The author is asking us to face this reality, and the the obvious question as he's going through this is this. What word is there of those who suffered in the faith? What word do we have left that they can speak for us? Who suffered loss to loss and hardship to hardship all the way down to the grave? How can we know that they made a good bet for the future because of their faith? How can we know that they chose the right course or the right path? The evidence seems to, in a sense, speak contrary to this. The evidence should seem to say to us that we should just eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we'll die. How do we know they laid down the right bet? That's the question that's being asked. That's what's being raised here by the author at the very end of this chapter on faith. And here's his answer. And you won't really pick up the answer until you get into chapter 12. The one who's writing this letter to the Jews is an apostle. And apostles 
were eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus Christ. They went out from that life as history reporters, giving the facts of his life to everyone who would listen to them. And Jesus was one who was just like these others. That's what they're going to tell people. Jesus was one just like these others. He was tortured, not accepting deliverance. He had a trial of mockings and scourgings. His life was a life of destitution, of affliction and torment, and the world was not worthy of him. He went to the grave alone and forsaken and abandoned by all around him. His voice echoed to teach a generation truths that we in our generation still learn from, but that voice was silenced on a cross in Jerusalem. His voice was silenced like all those other faithful before him who had given all to put their risk in the trust of the unfailing promises and power of God and have believed and followed him right down to the silence of the grave. Jesus, Jesus was like these others. But unlike all the others, he came out the other side to speak on their behalf. He went into the silence of the grave like all those before who believed and risked all in faith. And carried that faith down into death. But when Jesus came out from the grave, he spoke for them and they're silent no more. Jesus speaks for them from out the grave. He rose again from the dead. And that's the report of the apostle. He rose declaring triumph and a triumph that lies for the faithful beyond the grave. He rose to declare a better resurrection of life, eternal life that was true, and that was to be theirs forever. It was a resurrection they hoped for. It was a future that they bet their lives on. And he comes back to say, it was the right bet. Now what's left for us? Well, we with them may claim our future promise in the history of Jesus Christ. In his life, in his death, in his resurrection, The story of victory speaks out for all those who had faith but seemed to have missed the promise. They didn't. Their life of faith culminates not in the grave. It culminates in Christ's triumph over the grave. You know what the Bible teaches us? They're not going to rise until we rise with them. Their resurrection will be a part of our resurrection as well so that our triumph will all be consumed up together in one great glorious moment. They didn't receive the promise so that they and we together might realize it in all of God's fullness. Think about it. After the Lord Jesus had died on the cross and said it was finished, that's where God could have culminated his redemptive work throughout history. Right there, he could have called up all those who had gone to the grave prior to that moment in time. They could have all gone up with a shout to glory in heaven, but, oh, we wouldn't be there with them. Nor the millions and millions and millions who have come to Christ since that time. There's a day coming when all of us will gather up before the throne culminating the promise with a great shout and people from every tongue and tribe and nation will worship before the Lord and the promise that will be fulfilled is not just the promise of entering into the land of Canaan it's not just the promise of one great nation rising up it is the promise of all of the eternal blessings that are ours in Jesus Christ unimaginable fulfilled fulfilled in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Their life culminates in Christ's triumph over the grave. And if you put your bet on Him, your life of faith will culminate in Christ's triumph as well. By your faith in Him, your story will not end in the desolation and silence of the grave, but in the glory of sharing with Jesus an unending life. That's the point of faith. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. How masterfully and beautifully your Holy Spirit guides and directs the author of this letter, O God. How wonderfully and beautifully he sculpts for us the lessons of faith and shows us the great triumph that lies beyond it all. How willingly then, O God, should we be to suffer alone and forsaken and neglected for you and for your glory. Christ has triumphed. It is finished. Salvation is ours. We are the ones who can say, saved, we are saved. And now fixing our eyes upon Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, we run our race with joy. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful, not to a creed or a culture, but to Christ, His saving grace, His all-sufficient life. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, May the Lord bless you.